You're listening to an encore presentation of We the People. You can hear this show live every Friday night from 7 until 8 p.m. Your source for locally how you can get involved to make a difference. Tune in. Thanks for listening. Get out there and make a difference. San Marcos, Texas, Hayes County, and the rest of the world. This is your Friday Night Connection on uh, KZSM.org for how you can make a difference in your community. This is We the People for the 17th of March, St. Patrick's Day, everyone. Yes, and uh, hopefully you're wearing your green. We won't pinch you here in the studio if you're not. Don't worry. But uh, we're going to be having all sorts of revelry going along the street out here. I've already had uh, packs of folks getting their green beads. But it's good to see a vibrant downtown. We've brought A lot of people are coming in and a lot of businesses. Glad to see it. And uh, we're going to talk about, hey, we got uh, the Guinness beer for the folks here. But the important stuff we're going to be talking about tonight is Smart Terminal. We're going to be talking with... Uh, uh, Dr. Uh, Anna Juarez and uh, Mr. Noah Brock, and uh, he's got uh, his wife is going to be coming in here too uh, on the conversation. We're going to be talking about the smart terminal, and then coming up at 7:30, we've got John Demery is going to be talking about uh, eco villages, and uh, there's going to be some people coming to the area to talk about that. And, uh, so good show up ahead of you. Yes, this is your political commentary show. The views expressed on this show are not necessarily those of KZSM, SMTX, ERA. They are of your host and the guests. And we got that out of the way. Sit back. We'll be right back with you. with you here in the studio. This is Rob Burke, your host on We the People tonight. And I, I had a, a uh, comment from one of our former city council members. I uh, had uh, uh, Max Fieldbaker had said uh, that he was, he was happy that we were having you on tonight. Now, Maxfield, this is community radio. Why wouldn't I have on other sides of the story. Now, we had uh, Mr. Matthew Mendoza, uh, which is city council member, uh, was on a few weeks back. And he's kind of on the, he was on the edge about which way to go, and we'd had had some debates. He did bring me some of the city's talking points, but I want to hear all sides. 
and I want the folks to know about this. So uh, I've got in the studio with me Dr. Anna Juarez, and uh, I've got Mr. Noah Brock and his lovely wife, and your name is? Annie Donovan. Annie. Annie Donovan. There we go. I'm going to get that mic up a little bit more and bring that up a little closer to you, Annie. Just Greg. Grab the whole thing if you can, and I don't know, either that or you just hold the mic in your hand. There we go. Thank you. I just, I'm on this side of the booth, and you're on that side. So, but uh, hey, just a quick note uh, for those of you that tuned in last week when we had uh, kind of poked the bear with uh, Reyes Brewing Company. We'd heard reports from our local um establishments downtown that they may not have Guinness beer or they wouldn't have beer for St. Patrick's Day. And I did do a follow-up with a couple of uh, the uh, people that had reported that here. Uh, you know, And what the situation was was our local beer, um, you know, the bars, the local places downtown were at the bottom of the list to get any beer. The uh, Reyes uh, Brewing, uh, Reyes Distributing had taken over um, the old uh, Wright Capital. It's now Reyes Capital, and at the beginning of last year. And for the last three months, they've been having a lot of logistics problems, having problems getting that in there. They'd lost a lot of employees, all sorts of things. And I got reports last week that, hey, we may not be able to have beer. And this is our the times when we make our money is spring break, South by Southwest, and St. Patrick's Day are all on the same week. And no, they couldn't get their beer. So we sent a message off to the corporate, got a response back from corporate and said, uh, well, no, we're going to change our story, basically. And we're going to go ahead and make sure everybody gets it. And I went back and followed up and said, yeah, they got it. And it turns out that the uh, corporate uh, person was uh, uh, friends with them. One childhood friends, they hadn't known each other since school and recognized the name. And it was just how funny the little world is from Sam Marcus. So, folks, yes, you can make a difference. You can make a difference through a letter. You can make a difference. Yes, I've got KZSM behind my name here. It does help. But if you need that help, hey, contact us, KZSMSamMarcus at gmail.com. All right. Doctor, I'm going to have you kind of let everybody know, what is this smart terminal that everyone is talking about south of town? And, you know, give me what you know and and kind of your uh, perspective on this just in a general sense. And then let's dive into why we don't want this there and what are some alternatives? How can we change that? And let's, let's talk about this a little bit. Okay, yes. Thank you so much for, for uh, having us. And uh, I was actually around back in 2019 when the uh, original version of the smart terminal was in front of the city council. And at that time, we were concerned because it was a little bit over 800 acres, uh, very close to the river. There's minutes away from the, the river. In fact, we walked from the courthouse down to the cock house to represent the distance between the closest point of the uh, smart terminal, the, the boundary of the smart terminal, and the San Marcos River. Okay, just to give our listeners an idea of where this is located here for, for everyone. So if going south from San Marcos on Highway 80 going down to Lockhart, uh, it is going to be on the left. You're going to pass by 21, and be, you're going to have a cemetery over to the left, and it is over before in that area. Before the cemetery. Right. It's before 
so you uh, right at shortly after you get to the intersection of Highway 80 and 21, you will now pass by the intersection for those of y'all have who've been there. Uh, 110 that is being constructed, and that's where the that one part of 110 ends. Uh, keep going a little bit further down, and the smart terminal would be on the left before you get into what we normally think of as as Martindale, right? Okay. So before that little loop to uh, turn off to the towards the river and Main Street, um, and the smart terminal. So it was it was almost 900 acres. Um, they wanted heavy industrial zoning. Um, and so we were very concerned about that, you know, primarily for environmental reasons at that point, um, but also because of the surrounding community. There, that part of town provides a lot of affordable housing for people who, you know, many people who work in San Marcos and cannot afford to, to live here. Um, that's an area where many of them uh, live. And so we uh, we fought it at that time, and PNZ did initially reject the uh, proposal, um, but uh, they, the city council asked them to reconsider. They did kick in some regulations, so they omitted some kinds of, uh, of activities from heavy industrial. They, f they forbade some uh, activities and did a few other things. But basically, it ended up passing um, six to one in, at, at city council. And so now it's back, and it's, uh, quote unquote, bigger and better. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's almost doubled. It's, it's more than doubled in size. They're asking for more waivers than they had in the past. It's, it's engulfing Martindale, Reedville, and Maxwell. Uh, there's just so much uh, wrong with it and you know in addition to kind of the original concerns so we are trying to improve it at this point uh, not necessarily I think it's really important to know that uh, and I'll, I'll speak for myself I, I am not anti-growth because um, I think there was a, a piece recently that kind of presented the our position or the concerns being more about growth it's not about growth it's about the quality of growth and the quality of life uh, that occurs with that growth so we we want to improve it and we have lots of ideas on how to do that all right now Noah why don't you give us your perspective being a neighbor you know being you know this is right in your backyard and you know, hey, you know, are you going to be part of the area that would be annexed? I mean, because we're talking about an annexation from the city, is it what they're asking? Now, would you still be out of that? Would you be annexed in the city of uh, San Marcos, or would you be in the ETJ of San Marcos? So currently, I'm in the ETJ. So my wife and I moved there somewhat recently, and we moved to where we bought a house because we were we liked being outside of the city we liked being in this rural area we're surrounded by farms and it's really peaceful so we're not being annexed and zoned but the property in question is directly across the street so that 
annexation is going to happen right up to my property line. And this came as a shock to us because we got a notice on January 30th that that land was being rezoned. Mm. We didn't even know what the development agreement was at that point. And so we were constantly trying to find information as quickly as we could because we looked at these dates that were on this notice and it was less than two weeks away. Mm. And so we've spent the last, what, month and a half learning as much as we could about this so that we can try to have some sort of input and say in the process. And so how did you get notice? I mean, how did you get the notice? Did you see the the signs going up? Did it come in your mail? <laughs> you know, did, so, you know, all of a sudden... Well, this is, of signs. Well, I think this is important for people to realize is that, you know... <laughs> Oh, well, it was announced in the back section of some paper because that's what's required by law. And sometimes that's all the notice that you get. And then other times it's just, you know, maybe there's a sign that's up, but it's not like trumpets and, you know, it's all over social media. It, it, It seems like they don't go out of their way to say these things usually. Right. There was a lot of um, confusion in the beginning and there's still some confusion going on, but I read through all of the City Tell of San Marcos development out. code, and I read all the rules. I know all of the the things that are supposed to happen, but we got that notice on January 30th. It's required that we get mailed a notice um, 17 days prior to the first public hearing, which was on the 14th of February. So they mailed it exactly 17 days prior. They're also required, the city is required in their own code to put up signage on all properties 17 days prior to that um, annexing and zoning. We never saw any signs. We live right next to this. And I forget the date exactly where we f- when we found the signs. They were there. They were just laying in all the ditches. Uh, I was going to say, because if I'm... There's a picture for those of you that follow the show a few weeks back that I had of one that was down here to blown in from the courthouse, and they're usually on that PV, that plastic, right? right? And they're lightweight. And you know, no, we we have no wind around Texas at all. And <laughs> you know, the last month it's just been calm as all can be. So I would kind of wonder, you know, if if you put a sign out, so you found it in the ditches, huh? Yeah, and and I also had learned prior to that that the responsibility of the signage staying up is the property owner Mm. the city puts them out and they're responsible for you know maintaining or not necessarily maintaining but um you know fixing them if you're down or whatnot but it's still the property owner's responsibility to make sure that they're visible and so that wasn't happening for two weeks and you want to know where that sign was that's on the property next to us directly across the street from our driveway I would have seen it every single day. There's no way I would miss it. Unless it was blown away and and sitting in a ditch, right? Right, exactly. And so, we're going to come back to this in a second. (laughs) I'm going to take a quick station break, but I do want to ask your wife. So, you know, you're the one coming in kind of quiet to the side. He's the one reading all the material. What did you think when you found out about, you know, here's my house, it's lovely, you know, we're out in the country, and 17 days from now, they're going to be deciding on a, uh, what are we, uh, where are we at, 500 acre right now? 
2017. 2017. Okay. Okay. So we're at 2017 acres of development. So, so what, what did you think? I mean, I was completely taken off guard. But one of the first things I thought is, well, one, you know, we don't have a say in council. We don't, because we're in the ETJ, so we don't vote for these people who are making decisions on our behalf. Um, and then two, I questioned, um, you know, I went to Noah and I said, we have to do something about this. And I, one of the first things I said is, are you ready? Because I, once we start talking about this, it's going to be our lives over the next few months, maybe even yeah. years. So, um, but yeah, here we are today. So, you know, someone could say, well, we'll come on back. Let's take a quick station ID break. And uh, uh, we'll, we'll talk some more about what happens when the field across from you is suddenly in less than a year's time going to be construction central okay and uh, we'll talk about that when we come back you're listening to kzsm.org tree community radio this is rob burke your host we the people i uh, here on a friday night not only a friday night st patrick's day so uh, y'all wear your green be safe out there tonight and uh, come on down to the square there is still a little bit of uh parking left we're going to be going out and talking to folks later on and friday night with care is going to be coming up right after the show be right back with you texas river tonk airs live fridays from noon to 2 p.m on kzsm they spin new music from up-and-coming artists as well as deep cuts from country greats within studio interviews and performances texas river tonk is bringing you music straight from the source and letting you know where to see these artists live at upcoming shows don't miss Texas River Talk, Fridays, noon to 2 on KZSM, True Community Radio. I'm an interstate daydreamer. I'm dreaming all day long. Every Sunday afternoon from 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. here on KZSM.org, Roots and Branches takes you down the highways, byways, side streets, and back alleys of music. Join me, Tony Wilson, your hosting guide on this weekly journey through the wonderful world of music from Texas and beyond. All you have to do is log on and listen. It's just that easy. Howdy, partner. Does your daily routine usually consist of train robberies, horse fights, gunslinging, or all-around adventuring throughout the Wild West? Because if it doesn't, then you need to tune in to the best cowboy comedy radio play this side of the Mississippi. And that's Roscoe Taylor, the Tallahassee tween, broadcasting on KZSM every Sunday at 8 p.m. Tune in. You'll be glad you did. Yeah, tune in on uh, Sunday nights uh, for Roscoe. And uh, we've got... Uh, oh, they've got a whole bunch of comedy for you every Sunday night uh, radio theater, so tune in. KZSM.org, True Community Radio, and uh, John Demery is going to be with us here at 730. He is in the room, and uh, uh, but we are talking about what happens when you get a notice in the mail and uh, you didn't see the signs and uh, all of a sudden life is going to change that you thought 
you know, where you decide to live and neighborhood and all sorts of great stuff. So we're going to talk about that here. And we've got uh, Noah Brock and his wife, Annie, and uh, Dr. Anna Juarez is here with us. So you were saying uh, during the break, uh, Doctor, that, uh, you know, the way that you kind of connected up with this had to do with a Facebook group, right, that they created. Um, yes. Did you tell the story. Yeah. So actually, um, it was on next door, and even better. Okay, yeah. another way. Good. And I actually had tried posting on Facebook. I've tried all. There's like a million San Marcos Facebook groups. Oh yeah. And I feel like it's really hard to get through those. Um, and so I actually never use next door. So on a whim, I was like, I'm just gonna post. I'm gonna see what happens, and. Dr. Juarez was tagged, and then she all of a sudden was like, let's get together, let's talk. And then that's we connected on at our house on a Sunday. And so where is this, well, what do we do? What, what's, what steps can you do, and what, what's the plan of attack that you all, plan of, it's more of a plan of defense, I think, is what I'm hearing. <laughs> yes. But talk about that whole process and where you all are going, and what's, I know that they are, there are meetings that are going on. Uh, I know that this is uh, going to be coming up to the uh, uh, San Marcos uh, planning and zoning, and then it's going to go to city council. Um, what's some of the steps, and, and what are you all doing uh, in on the defense lines out there? So we're basically trying to come up with uh, a list of what we want to see in a development like this. And that can't come from just the three of us that are here. So we've been reaching out to all of our community. And we even hosted our own town hall meeting, I believe that was on the 24th of February, just to inform the general public in our area what this was, because there wasn't any information out there. There was from 2019, but this is a, a new and improved smart terminal. So uh, there's a lot of changes, and it's not the same as what it was. And we had roughly 60 people in attendance at that meeting. Well, just to kind of give people a background, when we're talking about the smart terminal, what this is is where the rail, this is a prime spot because you have both the uh, uh, BNSF uh, and the Southern Pacific Railway have a spur that comes out that comes through that area and it's directly links into a whole bunch of different directions, you know, mm -hmm. that they can take that. It is right there at the 110 uh, over by the airport, it's all of these areas for uh, transportation, transportation hub. Now, how the heck they get to I-35 and over to there, we're not going to talk about that quite yet. But it is um, the, the city is looking at annexing. Now, is the city only looking at annexing 500 acres or is it the, the whole 1,000 acres? It's, it's not all of it and this is where it gets even more confusing okay <laughs> the part of it was annexed and zoned in 2019 so that did pass and that was roughly 700 something acres okay there was originally a dispute with city of martindale about etj lines right that was solved in okay. 2019 but that prevented some of the land from getting annexed and zoned so now they're adding in that previous land that didn't get put in the original smart terminal agreement. And then the developer acquired two additional tracts of land, and they also purchased land from Walton, 
as that was originally part of the Cotton Center Agreement. Okay, and that Walton is a whole other big, <laughs> you know, you, you, this is not the only fight going on out there, but go on ahead. <laughs> and so it, it gets confusing when you're looking at the numbers because there's different numbers in every single document that you look at. But roughly 660 of the acres is not being annexed and zoned. The Whatever the remainder is out of that, minus 2017 minus 660 minus 734 whatever it is from the original one that's what we are left with and that's what's being annexed in zone so it's actually not that many parcels they're just large parcels well one of the arguments that the i've seen in the documents from the city from who knows where they're coming from but uh is that listen, you can either go on ahead and we're going to annex this 500 acres or we're not going to annex the 500 acres. If we annex it, uh, that um, then we have tighter controls on what happens to that land than if it wasn't annexed. So, you know, it, it would be better for the city to annex it. Is That's one of the arguments. Yeah, I, I, I'm happy to address that. And please call me Anna, like uh, everybody. Okay, <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, yeah, so uh, that's one of the questions that I have for the city and the developer is, uh, you know, I don't think the developer would, out of their good hearts, um, ask to be regulated, right? There is something in it for them. And, of course, there's not a lot of transparency around that. But I suspect that they have done the math, and it is uh, a financial advantage for them to be uh, annexed and have uh, city services provided. Now they're saying they're going to build a lot of the infrastructure needed to, to you know, for some of that. But I suspect that the maintenance costs over time are going to cost us the taxpayers um, more than you know. I just can't see how it could. You know, why would they do this otherwise? I'm not convinced. I mean, if they just wanted to be good citizens and meet these great regulations, then they could just do that on their own, right? So I would like to see the city council kind of do the math. Um, and One of the interesting things I don't know whether you've noticed or not is that uh, they talk about uh, the uh, fire station number five that they are within that range in order for the uh, uh, for insurance okay so I'm kind of curious well if they don't get it is there another fire station are they going to be able to get their fire insurance that they would need for an industrial area you know is that you know is that one of the key key reasons I don't know just something that when I'm looking through this because I ask questions you know I'm always going to whatever side I'm on this is what we do is you know what's why I'm, I'm with you about why the developer wants to do this I'm not I'm not picking a side right now I'm just saying I I have questions. So, you know, as a as a homeowner, you know, is it going to happen or is it not going to happen? You've kind of made that choice that we're going to have to at least make this the best that we can and try to get some kind of a discussion going. And are we looking and is everything going to be on the table, I think, is what I'm hearing, correct? Right. And so we understand that this land in this location, it's going to be developed. There, it's not going to stop that. Even if we uh, stopped this instance right now, it's going to come right back. It, 
part of it's already heavy industrial. So there's no reason that um, we would ever believe that we're going to stop development in this area. It, it's a giant farm that has been sold. And so if this developer decides not to develop, they're going to hand it off to another one. But we want to see that done responsibly. And even if you look at the city of San Marcos's um, comprehensive plan, they designate that whole area as low impact, meaning um, it's got like agricultural uses, it's got a very dispersed residential, there's not a lot of impact going on to affect the people in the area. Unless you live across the street. <laughs> well, and this is where you've got, uh, they're coming in with the highest impact zoning, heavy industrial, and how does that fit in low impact? It doesn't. and. This is a point I've brought up at uh, planning and zoning and city council, but it seems to be kind of ignored by city staff. And it's, it doesn't even require a rewrite of that comp plan to fit this new purpose. And it's just not required by the code. But it, it's one of these questions that's like, well, why? Why is it like that? And can we do better? I'm pretty sure we can, but um, why is nobody paying attention to this? Okay, and you know, Annie, from your perspective, um, I, you know, here's your 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 house, and here's your neighborhood, and you know, how is this going to change? You know, all of the your area. I mean, what what do you see that your neighbors can do to to change all of this, or to at least maybe not change, but to mold what what does what you want? That's a really good question. Um, and I think an answer to that could be to show up. You know, um, we've been asking for help to spread the word, to help us, you know, contact the developer, contact city council, planning and zoning, contact city staff, um, and then also give us feedback like what do you want to see out of this you know um we're not the only people that live directly across the street there's other folks that live directly across the street in reedville in areas that have already been rezoned heavy industrial and um but yeah i mean we just need feedback like what do you want to see out of it i know no one really wants to see heavy industrial you know that's a really scary word and I know a lot of people think heavy industrial, they think really, really bad stuff. Um, and I will say there are some good things in the development agreement that do prohibit some really bad things, right. but there are also some bad things that we think could be added. And so ways that the community and our neighbors can help is by reaching out to us. You know, we have a email address that we created it's smart terminal community info at gmail.com once again for everybody that was trying to write that down it's very long yes <laughs> um smart terminal community info at gmail.com um so please send us an email we have an email list we've been keeping trying to keep people updated on the, all the meetings that are coming up and we've been asking for input, so please, you know, reach out and share with us because we really want to hear from you, and we could really benefit from you being there for us as okay. well. So Anna and Brock, whoever can give me, what are the next 
points that people need to be aware of and when are there i know there's a couple more community meetings that are out there or mm-hmm. uh, right what what are those dates that people need to know so there is a meet and greet open house style meeting with the developer on maybe not well, maybe, maybe a not. different style. Okay. Yeah, we're working on it. Well, there's a meeting with the developer <laughs> for the community on the 22nd of March. That's this coming Wednesday um, from 3 to 7 p.m. And that's at the Martindale Schoolhouse. Okay. And you can look that up. You should be able to find the address. I think it's 101 Lockhart Street in Martindale. And then we are planning on having another um community town hall meeting that we are going to host it is most likely going to be the sunday before the planning and zoning commission meeting which would be what is that the 26th 26th that has not been set in stone yet but you can always email us and we will keep you up to date on that Then there's that Planning and Zoning Commission meeting, and that's where the Planning and Zoning Commission will vote to approve or deny this rezoning project. And that's a very big day. That's at 6 p.m. San Marcos City Hall. Um, You can sign up to speak at the public comment. You have to sign up online by 12 p.m. the day of. That's correct. That's March 28th. And... We're all planning on being there and speaking, but the more people that can show up to that, the more significance it's going to have in front of the Planning and Zoning Commission's eyes. So, And folks, I would recommend uh, that you be there in the parking lot at about 5.30, okay? And stop by, pick up some burgers, pick up some tacos, have a bag, (laughs) and pass it out to everybody because it's going to be a long meeting. These folks are going to be there. They're going to need some drinks. They're going to need some food. This is what you do as a community is you come out and you you meet in – I'm not going to say do a tailgate party. I mean, we've had some pretty big ones here in San Marcos in the past, but – Get there early, meet everybody, talk about strategy, find out order, who's going to be speaking. Get yourselves lined up, okay? This is how we do this. And I'm sorry, and I, I, kept, I was you were starting to say something. I got oh, it in there. I was going to say one other opportunity um, is to attend the city council meeting on uh, coming Tuesday, which is the 21st, March 21st. I do want to uh, alert you to the fact that you have to sign up ahead of time to be able to speak. So uh, you go to the uh, City of San Marcos uh, website and there are instructions on there for uh, how to uh, sign up. You must sign up by noon the day of. Mm -hmm. The sooner the better. And we really want to keep this in front of the City Council uh, uh, you know, as much as possible. You can also write your own letters, uh, you know, the emails to the city council, to the PNZ. The PNZ right now is, is our first, um, you know, you gotta first get through, stumbling block. Right. you got to get through planning and zoning before you can get on through to the city council. But it may not be a bad idea to go to city council and just make sure that when you get there, folks, you always tell them your name, where you live, and, you know, what your, if it is on the agenda or if it's not, and if if it's on the agenda, usually it can talk to you about it. If it's not on the agenda, they won't say a word to you. Don't expect them to. Okay. But if it is on the agenda, then, you know, and also when, if it is a public hearing at the city, you can 
you can speak at the beginning of the meeting and you can speak on the agenda too. Don't forget that, folks. So uh, once it becomes a public, uh, if it gets on through and it is a, uh, a for a uh, um, uh, uh, if it's up for a vote that yeah. night something like that okay and i do need to get to my next guest but i do want to thank y'all for coming on out i'm going to give you one more chance again to tell everybody how they can get in touch with you at that email address yeah so that's smart terminal and community info at gmail.com let me say it one more time smart terminal community info at gmail.com okay because that is important y'all thank you for coming out keep me posted and uh, feel free to come back and keep us posted here on we the people again okay because that is we are here for the community and uh glad to have you all back here in the studio again and uh uh thank you and good luck uh on your uh, making a change making a difference okay it's not necessarily a battle you're just trying to make the best you can for your community so right. thanks for coming in tonight. Yeah, thanks thank for you. having us. Thank you so much. KZSM.org, and uh, thanks, John. I know I just wanted to get through, and we are going to be uh, coming right back as soon as I get everybody changed out here. John Demery's coming up next. Revolving Door is your local radio show where we host the best live bands in our downtown San Marcos studio every Sunday from 5 to 7 p.m. Tune in to KZSM.org to hear the best of your local live bands for 32 minutes to an hour as we get them in and get them out and on the air. Do you love listening to great music? Are you interested in topics that can blow your mind? Do you like having a good time when listening to the radio? If so, then listen to Into the Gray, Friday mornings, 10 till noon. Into the Gray is a public interest radio program we can all enjoy. That's Into the Gray, Friday mornings, 10 a.m. until noon on kzsm.org in San Marcos, Texas. On the radio, this is the Sweet Honey Bear Blues on Tuesday at 8 o'clock till 10 o'clock. You got me giving you what you just didn't know you needed. Hey Sid, what are you listening to? I'm listening to Sid's Place, my show, the best oldies in the world. I'm on every Monday from 4 to 6 p.m. On KZSM, your true community radio station here in San Marcos, Texas. And back with you here live in the studio. And yes, I feel like I'm on revolving door getting people in and out here. But uh, th th that's the music show that I do on Sundays. And John, we're going to take you right up to the uh, 8 o'clock. Thanks for uh, staying with me oh, here. Thank and thank uh, uh, I, I thought you'd enjoy listening in on that a little bit, though. Well, thank you. Yes, I, I used to work in Reedville, so I know the area. 
Yeah, and uh, definitely, it's it's always interesting for me to talk to folks that are getting involved. Now, that's the worst way is to have some you know a development show up across the the street from you. But uh, at least they're talking about how they they did this and how they get involved. Now, you are here though talking about you have been your old time Sam Martian, but you have been all over the country now, and uh, you have been up at this. Uh, uh, Dancing Rabbit. Yes, Dancing Rabbit Eco Village is actually my home. Yeah. I'm a member of that community, and it is a wonderful, wonderful place. And I wanted to tell people about that, what what experiences I have, and the, the interesting, we do a lot of outreach, as well as there is a woman coming to speak here on uh, March 30th at the Public Library, 6.30 p.m., a young a woman named... Prairie Johnson, and she has been in the vi- part of the village for a long time and is really uh, a real spark plug. So I'm excited for her to come and do a two hour or do an hour presentation and then take questions and answers from the public. So, but I thought this was a good way to get the word out. So, what is, what's Dancing Rabbit? What's this eco village? What, I mean, is this a bunch of modern hippies getting together? I mean, you know, what, tell us about what we're talking about here. Well, the term hippie is uh, is pretty broad, and so uh, that is sometimes I will refer to the community like that. But we're not uh, egalitarian. Everyone has to make their own living at Dancing Rabbit. Now, an eco village. I decided as I'm going to talk to you about it, I'd look it up in Wikipedia, and basically, it is an, a traditional or an intentional community that has common goals, such as ecological goals cultural goals, uh, societal goals, and such like that. So I kind of wondered, though, is say, well, an intentional community as opposed to a traditional community, what's it, what community is not intentional at some level? So anyway, just well, semantics there. So when we talk, I like to kind of bring stuff back down to the ground level here on this show. Okay, and when we talk about eco-village and environmental sustainability, okay, what are we talking about here? I mean, give me an example of what goes on in the daily life of Dancing Rabbit Eco-Village. Yes, uh, we are uh, the the people who founded Dancing Rabbit in 1997. They bought the land there. So they had uh, set up some covenants of things that they wanted to do, uh, use all organic products. products and things on the land there. It's 280 acres, so it's a wonderful, a wonderful place. And the village is, is on about five acres of that. So we have all this wilderness and uh, kind of overused farmland. And so there's money that's generated from that through uh, CRP. The uh, village, though, we try to do as low impact as we can. And sustainability is one of the things. We do harvest some wood out of our forests for different things, but we're very sustainable in that, in that harvesting. We use solar panels and wind-generated electricity. Uh, original people at Dancing Rabbit tried, were hoping that it would be uh, sustainable with batteries, but the batteries would go low, and people making their living somewhat online, when the batteries dropped, it was a problem. So we bring in electricity. Now we're t- planning the 
we're trying anyway to put more electricity back to the grid than we take because mm -hmm. at night we take some and in the daytime we have excess so it's a balance there and we're always leveling it leveling it off which is the biggest issue with yeah. electricity right now so another area we share four vehicles we've got an all-electric vehicle and then a, a couple of uh, pretty good vehicles we tried to use diesel and have used biodiesel but in missouri that's uh, too cold for the biodiesel to work. So we use some fossil fuels there for transportation. But with 50 people, you share four cars, and so different uh, people ride together when we plan together of how to share these vehicles. How far are you from, like, a, a town center? Or, you know, you're, you have to go get supplies somewhere, okay? And where, how far are you out from it? Well, in our village, we actually have a grocer right on site. We have a dairy on site. We have a cheesemaker on site. We have a vineyard on site. So we have quite a bit. We have a, uh, uh, an, our own little cultural center, the Mer Milkweed Mercantile, where we have a happy hour, a coffee time in the morning. Uh, and that's been a little bit in flux with COVID. That's been harder to make, a, make that enterprise run. But we, we have about everything we need. If you want to go and just go to a cafe, you can walk two miles to Rutledge, Missouri, a Mennonite store there that has a little cafe, a grocer, and a uh, dry goods. So that's nice. Ten miles away is a larger town that has a hardware store. And then 40 miles away, there's a town that has movie theaters. <laughs> <laughs> so we're pretty rural. We're at two, 300 miles, well, 200 miles north of St. Louis. Right. So... The the idea here is, you know, is this something that uh, that I guess Prairie's going to talk about is about, you know, does everybody go to Missouri or do you set these up and and find places? But it's taken how long for Dancing Rabbit to kind of mature and to get to this point? You know, well, we have five visitor sessions a year, two week sessions where people come in and live with us. We feed them for, a, it's a price, I, I can't remember what the price is for the two weeks, but you can camp out or you can rent a, a space in one of the buildings and people learn all the ins and outs of what we do and how we operate so that people could start their own and we'd let people know that's a really challenging business because you need to get five or six people together on the same page for years of groundwork so it, yeah. it, it's a challenge but the community there we talked about ecological is wonderful there but the community is fabulous to have so many variety of people there hermits and extroverts and kids so that's what is amazing to people to work together and, and handle things together. Well, I was having a conversation with my sister just a little bit ago. She's up in Washington and talking about uh, coming down out of uh, – they sold their bed and breakfast up in the, the Idaho wilderness, and they're now down into Spokane. And, you know, she's reestablishing in this new community now. And how important it is to be able to get yourself immersed in community. And I, I think this is something that you just brought up, a whole different point of this is that, you know, for our health, for it's important to have not just, okay, sustainable, you know, what we're making and everything, but I think that there's also that, the, the healthiness of building community. Oh, it was wonderful. I mean, I was there, I've been a member for four, well, I've been a member for a while. I've been there for four years. There's kind of an introductory time, you're a resident, and then you get vetted to see, well, are you, are you going to fit in okay with this crowd? And we have conflict resolution committees, so because with 50 people, there's a few bumps here and there. And so we, and we do a lot of meetings for 
how many animals to have, how, what kind of cars to buy, what electricity are we gonna, how are we gonna operate. So there's a lot that goes on to having people work together. A village council we have, there's, it, it's neat, but the community is just so nice. Everybody chips in. I say everybody, I've been a little bit of a lackey as far as getting on the committees and helping out as much, and I'm looking at, at being more active with that. But uh, there's a lot to running a village, but the, but the people being together and in a small, like you can walk from one side of town to the other in 10 minutes. So you see everybody out there, you know, May and Ben are moving the goats or different people are, uh, Kurt's out walking his dog and just, just wonderful little village people. And, you know, all kinds. We have Texas Hold'em poker. We've got yoga. We've got singing and dancing. We, we have a pretty nice life. Hey, we're going to take a quick station ID break, but if people want to go out on the web and to find out about Dancing Rabbit, where do they go on the web? Dancingrabbit.org. There we go. That's uh, See, we simple. made that one simple for you tonight, folks. <laughs> we're going to be right back with you. Take a quick station ID break. You are listening to KZSM.org, True Community Radio in San Marcos, Texas. This is... Um, uh, this is We the People for the 17th of March, St. Patrick's Day, here on uh, the uh, in 2023. We're going to be right back with you. This is Political Commentary Show. The views expressed on the show are those of the hosts, the guests, and not necessarily those of KZSM or SMTXCRA. Be right back. It's almost Monday night, y'all. You know what that means? That means Vinyl Confessions, live here on KZSM, hosted by none other than The Wiz, who says he's calling all brothers and sisters and children of the night to join us on the random journey of life. Playing anything vinyl, one never knows what they're going to hear. You know where I'll be Monday night? I will be howling at the moon, listening to those cracks, hisses, and pops, along with those Kellogg's boys. Vinyl Confessions, only here on KZSM, San Marcos True Community Radio, the little station heard around the world. Texas River Tonk airs live Fridays from noon to 2 p.m. on KZSM. They spin new music from up-and-coming artists as well as deep cuts from country greats. Within studio interviews and performances, Texas River Tonk is bringing you music straight from the source and letting you know where to see these artists live at upcoming shows. Don't miss Texas River Talk, Fridays noon to 2 on KZSM, True Community Radio. I'm an interstate daydreamer. I'm dreaming all Pet Preventa Litter, Pals of Central Texas, is hosting a Roaring Twenties Gala on March 30th from 6 to 10 p.m. at Harper Hill Ranch to celebrate and promote responsible pet ownership, shelter pet adoptions, and most importantly, the continued efforts to have pets spayed, neutered, and zero pets in our animal shelters. The PALS Gala is an adults-only event that's designed to raise awareness and funds for community members who need help fixing their pets in Central Texas. PALS saves lives through spay and neuter. Now this event will include dinner by Heavenly Gourmet Catering, dancing and music by Jack Prince and the Kings, live and silent auctions, fashion show featuring adoptable pets from the San Marcos Regional Animal Shelter, wine, beer and spirits, raffles and swag. Roaring 20s theme attire is optional. And uh, yes, PALS, uh, Prevental Litter, uh, another great organization here. And uh, go check out their website to get some more information about that as well. So coming up uh, from 6.30 to 8.30 on uh, Thursday, March 30th, here at 
from Room A of the San Marcos Library. And uh, Prairie Johnson, she's got such a smile, and she's sitting here. It looks like she's working on a house that she's building. And, and Plaster. Okay, so, you know, is this... Is it? I, I remember back with the old uh, back in Arizona, they had these geodesic domes. Remember that they had north of Phoenix that they had done back in the '60s and '70s, and this was supposed to be the future. And it, for one reason or another, it never could be sustainable. So, what what are you using for materials? How does this work? How do you have you know? Do you own property? Do you not? What, what's how's this work? Yeah, so it's a part of the process. If you uh, had come to one of our visitor sessions, ideally, I mean, you wouldn't have to, but then you want to become a member. You actually become a resident for six months. You go through a vetting process. How do you feel about ecology? Uh, feminism is a strong uh, thread at Dancing Rabbit. We're very. Uh, uh, honor all people very well all the different varieties of uh, orientation of people as well is, is very wide, widely accepted so as you be, get vetted that uh, we think you might fit in good you'd be a resident for six months then you can apply to be a member and another a little bit of a vetting process and there's a uh, 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 outreach to the community that if anybody has any problems with this person or, or whatever. So you go through that and you become a member, you are then eligible to rent a piece of land. Now being Dancing Rabbit, we call our little lots Warrens to, uh, to kind of reflect on the rabbit nature. And the minimum size of a Warren is 2,500 square feet and you can build on that and we have a, a building committee to help make sure you're doing it environmentally and we have covenants to ask you to uh, buy local or reclaimed materials so that we're not doing a lot of transportation to limit the concrete because of its energy density it's it's got a, some issues but we still do use these uh, commercial products but as you're a member you can rent this 2500 square feet and it will cost you $25 a month $25 a month yes for, for rent so okay. that's like a permanent rent so as you build something if you build a house somewhere and you're renting the land that it's on that it, it's a, a challenge there is if you decide to leave and how do you sell that house and you have to sell it to right. a, a, another member so it's a limited uh, so it's, it's a pretty big investment if you decide to, to uh, do something at Dancing Rabbit but the cost is minimal a lot of people build uh, timber frame structures and infill with straw bales and then we plaster that and might have an earthen floor so we're using local materials locally baled straw that uh, we have red clay there we, we probably have to haul in the sand and uh, some of the materials to do so that you know, here you are in, you know, Missouri, you're, uh, you know, getting out into the plain, you know, it's it's northern, you know, climate and, and everything. And I, I always amazed me that I see the pictures of my family going back into Kansas and my, you know, the these sod houses that they take these pictures of that were already <laughs> falling down in the yeah. 40s and that they were out there in bitter cold in these sod houses. And, but yet, that was the best they'd 
do them down in, you know. Yeah, they were out of the wind, and people adjusted to the temperature somewhat. Yeah. I lived up north, and, and that, that's a big challenge there. For us, we want people to have homes that are comfortable, and we hit a, a tremendous amount of heat. We use uh, wood to heat our uh, buildings. I managed a building that was one of the original buildings of the founding people that had six bedrooms upstairs. I call it a boarding house. It was there. It was known as the Sky House. We have a... Uh, furnace that heats up a 600 gallon tank I think that's the size of it of water and then that water reservoir we get our hot water and heat oh, the floor okay. of the house and then we have a freestanding stove that we can fire up to see a little fire and, and have that kind of thing. So, so. how is it uh, as far as water resources there is that plentiful or is that we, something we use that rain you're watching? We use rainwater. Uh, try to use that the most but we are hooked on to the we have hydrants around so that if like the sky house has a has a 20,000 gallon uh, 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 cistern that you could uh, if it runs low we could bring water in but it's taking water off the roof and if we get rains it's we usually have to do uh, add water to it a little bit in the wintertime when the rains are slower. Because, you know, when you talk about sustainability, you talk about eco now, you know, water is the commodity, you know, going forward for us for the next 20, 30, 40, 50 years. You know? We do something that is, uh, some people are a little taken aback, but we have a, a Humi system where we take care of the human manure in uh, buckets where there's sawdust in a bucket. And then we have a stall in the house, there's sawdust in the bucket. You make your deposit, you cover it up with sawdust, and when the bucket is about two-thirds full, we move them out to a staging area, and then we take those buckets and compost that waste. So we don't use any water uh, in the uh, toilet process except washing our hands. So there you go. And I, I like a different way of looking at it. And okay, folks, listen. hey. Back in, you know, back in the 1800s, we're only talking 150 years ago. You know, if folks were taking buckets and throwing them out into the streets of of uh, waste. You know, waste. Uh, and you know, London figured out that they had a health problem because of that. And uh, so you have to. There is a way to do this without having infinite use of water. Yes. Yeah. And uh, so that works real well for us. And what we. Uh, we have uh, a lot of filters, like at the at the uh, Sky House. I had four filters going down to one micron to filter the rainwater from the cistern, and we also have the health department come out and check uh, for E. coli at all the at the faucets. Actually, they they kind of do it for the people who want to have it checked and see what's going. To make sure there's nothing can being contaminated. So, and I've just got a couple minutes left here, and I um, so. You know, do you have any problems with the local government? How do they feel about this? Well, um, they are uh, they are aware of how we operate, and uh, we have like for the gray water we have because we take care of the black. They would call it black water or the, the sewage. So we take care of that in a way that's acceptable. And then the gray water we run into a retention pond kind of things with gravel layers for the filtration of the uh, of the. Uh, 
the gray water from washing machines and showers, and we use really en environmental soaps because you, you have to have a, the right thing to go in, into those kind of systems. But uh, yeah, generally, th there's not a whole lot of zoning in that area, so that building the houses, you can have a variety. And I talked about like some of the basic straw bale houses, but there are some conventional homes with wool or cellulite, uh, cellulose uh, uh, insulation. So we want people to be comfortable there, and it's it's uh, we get some cold cold weather. Well, John, thanks for coming in and talking about this again. Thursday, uh, March 30th, uh, Prairie Johnson, 630, 830 at the uh, San Marcos Library, Room A. And uh, come on out and learn more about Eco Villages. And, uh, John, are you going to be at this one or are you going to be? No, uh, well, I'm planning on going north. I'm not. I'm yeah. just uh, uh, been around Texas long enough. And it's planting season up north. So heading on and tell you more about John. And, you know, we need to get you on the phone. And, you know, going back to the kind radio days, you can tell me about oh, what yeah, you're planning I, I and going on. Oh, yeah, I enjoyed being a DJ for a bit. Uh, kind Radio, Farmer John. Okay, thank well, you so yeah. much for having me, Rob. Thank you for coming on tonight, Mr. John Demery. And uh, thanks again to our guests from the first hour as well. And uh, we will be back with you again next week. 